Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. You have your Bible, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 13. This is um, a very obscure passage in the Bible, um, but I believe that if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. And um, I, sometimes I, I find the greatest victory in my life when I read an obscure passage and I just see it. I'm like, that's me. That's where I'm at sometimes. And I found this scripture and I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight. But First Samuel chapter number 13, verse number 19, it states, now there was no smith found throughout the land, all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords and spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share in his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattock and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goats. So it came today, came to pass in the day of battle. Let me hear you say it came to pass. In the day of battle that there were neither sword nor spear found in any hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. Now listen, I am not the world's greatest military general. I am not even the world's greatest uh, sergeant or whatever the lowest class that you can find in the military would be. But I can assure you that walking into battle with no arms probably is not the recipe for success if uh, God is not on your side. Now we have Bible that God was able to conquer things and do great things. Um, by just doing things because he's God. But if you're walking into battle with no sword or no spear, it's probably pretty scary if you ask me. However, Saul and Jonathan were the only ones that were found with them. In verse number 23, it states, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. And for a few moments tonight, I just want to preach to you the weapons of harvest. The weapons of harvest. in our world, and we, we know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know here, but our world um, is in a bad place. We have long removed Bibles and prayers from school, and probably some of you are in this room that will remember when it was okay to have a Bible or to pray or when you did pray in schools. We um, have Bible clubs that are allowed in our schools. However, I've recently read that they are now openly allowing satanic clubs in schools. Our society has devolved so much morally that we find it hard to find anything that isn't filled with perverse things of the nature and to find things that are just okay to take part of because of where we live in the world. We understand that the Bible stated in the last days that these things would happen, but sometimes I feel like the church gets put in a position where we feel a little bit like Israel here where we are ready to go to battle or perhaps, or maybe we're ready to go out and to have a harvest, but we have to trek down to the enemy's camp, as we read in our text chapter, to get their tools sharpened. We see that the Israelites here in our text chapter in 1 Samuel 13 states that in order for them to get their their axes or to get their, their pitchforks or to get their mattocks or their coulters sharpened, they had to go down and visit the enemy's camp just to do so. And it feels like every day that we live our life, whenever we want to do anything or wherever we want to go, it feels like we're constantly walking into enemy's territory. 
And to be frank with you, we are. Because the Bible states that we are as sheep going to the slaughter and that we are to go out into a dark world and we are to be the light, we are to be the salt. So this is nothing new. However, when you do this time and time again, as the Israelites have, every single time that they went, there had to be a price that was paid. We hear and we've, we've talked about it and we want to be a part of the great move of God and the outpouring that God is doing in these last days, but there are times where it can be a little bit weary walking into the enemy's camp day in and day out. If I were to be willing to bet there'd probably be some parents in this room or perhaps watching online who you are getting tired and you are growing weary of praying the same prayers for your children who have walked away from God and you're saying, God, I don't know how many times more I have to pray this prayer. Or perhaps you are sitting there and you are struggling and you're saying, God, I, I need a victory and I don't know how many more times I can pray this prayer. And the enemy uses this tactic of God's delay maybe sometimes to frustrate us and to cause us to lose faith in God. But the enemy has been doing this for thousands of years. And the good news is, is that we've got a good book that tells us on how to wage war when it comes time for harvest. You see, Jesus, it was Jesus who had the devil, Satan, come to him and tell him that I can give you all of these things. And this is Jesus, God in the flesh. And the enemy is telling him, I can give you all of these things if you just bow, if you just bow. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And he's telling Satan that you have no rightful place and that you are not welcome. And then we see that if we rebuke Satan and the enemy will flee later on in the New Testament. So what I'm telling you tonight is that we have got tools and we've got weapons on how to wage war with the enemy in the time of harvest. The weapons of our harvest, however, are not just physical weapons. They are not swords and spears today. The church does not come into church every Sunday and every Wednesday, we put our swords and spears outside, and then when we leave, we pick them back up and go out and wage war. No, our weapons are to the pulling down of strongholds. It's how we pray. It's how we fast. It's how we worship. It's how we get into the word. It's how we fall in line with the vision of the church. It's how we do all of these things. But when we decide that we want to make war and that we are waging war with the enemy, there is going to come a moment in your life where you're going to have to say, I'm not going to the enemy's camp anymore, but I'm taking the war to the enemy. And we see in this text chapter, and we see something so powerful, and I have stumbled on this, and I wonder how many times that the enemy would convince them, the Philistines, and history tells us that the Philistines would not fully sharpen their weapons or sharpen their, their farming tools, if you will. Any time that they wanted to go down and to, to use the pitchfork or to use the shovel or to use whatever tool they were to use, they would know that every single blow into the ground would come at a cost because they had to pay to have their weapons sharpened, their, their farming tools sharpened every single time. And here we see the enemy treats us much like the same way when we pray or when we receive a move of God. Some of us are hesitant to come to the altar and receive a move of God because we know when we get home that all hell is going to come against us from our family or from those that are around us. And we're saying the enemy has told us that you, there will be a price to pay if you want to see God move. And the enemy has convinced some of us that this mindset that in order to see God move, it will come at a cost. 
Every single time the Israelites wanted to prepare their families for harvest, Brother Travis, every single time that they wanted to go down and perhaps dig up some old roots to take something out, they knew that this would cost them another trip to the enemy's camp. They knew that this would be another time that they'd have to walk back down there. They'd have to shell out some more money and they'd have to say, you know what? This is just gonna cost me a little bit extra. Even if they wanted to plant a tree or do something new or do something fun or just say, you know what? Perhaps I'm gonna go take an apple off the tree or perhaps I'm going to go dig up some watermelons or things of that nature. They knew that every single strike with one of those tools would come at a cost. And tonight, I feel led in the Holy Ghost to just encourage somebody to remind you that the enemy has been doing this for years, but we have been given the tools on how to win. You see, Jesus tells us and he shows up on the scene and he says, you know what? When the enemy comes at him, he says, get behind me, Satan. And it is time for some of us that when we get into these moments, into these times of weariness, into these times where we don't feel like we can pray that prayer just one more time, that we turn it over to God and say, God, I've prayed this prayer. I've done all I know how to do, but God, what I'm going to do now is just stand on your word and I'm going to stand here and say, you know what? I may have the weapons of harvest deep somewhere inside of me and all I've got to do is just maybe pray it one more time so we can see God move. You see the enemy steps in and he tries to attack us where it hurts most. But he doesn't always just go for the big things at first. You see some of us he may start with our prayer life. He may start with our dedication and our commitment. He may start with our fasting and he may start with things and he keeps in saying and keeps just going and little by little by little and all of a sudden we realize that our harvest keeps shrinking. As in, and it happens that we don't see the answer right away or we don't feel that God is quicking, moving quick enough and all of a sudden we say, well, this shovel is useless, this ax is useless, when in reality God is saying, what I've put in your hand is enough, just keep swinging. What I've put in your hand is more than enough, just keep doing it. If you're an intercessor, just keep interceding. If you're a prayer word, just keep praying. If you're great at teaching Bible studies, just keep doing it because if God's hand is on it, it is enough. And we don't see the answer right away. And the enemy begins to threaten us and begins to taunt us. And I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight that there are some in this room that you've been saying, I don't know how I can do it anymore. I can't stand on the word. I can't stand on the promises of God anymore. But I've come to remind you tonight that if God said it, it shall. But I've come to remind you tonight that the weapons of our harvest, they are the things that we can use to tear down strongholds. And they're the things that we can use to see a great harvest in Kansas City and beyond when we get on our face and say, God, I'm aligned with the man of God. I'm aligned with the word of God. I'm aligned with what you're doing, God. I may not have much, God, but whatever I've got, it's yours. You see, the weapons of harvest are never the great and the mighty things. No, it's just someone that says, God, whatever you placed in my hand, I'm gonna do something with. God, I'm not gonna be found like the one who you placed talents in their hand and they did nothing with, God, but I'm gonna do whatever it takes, God. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna keep praising you even in the bad times and in the good times, God. And I know that in the hands of a harvester, God, you can do anything. You see, the weapons of a harvester may not look conventional to others. The weapons of a harvester may be uncommon to those that are skilled in battle, but those that have walked in and said, God, whatever is placed in my hand, whatever you've blessed me with, whatever you've given me, God, it will be for your kingdom and for your glory. 
there is something to be said for somebody that at all costs says, God, whatever you want to do, I want to be a part. You see, God promised the Israelites that they would inherit a city that they did not build, that they would have vineyards that they did not plant and homes that they never had to lay brick in. But here they are years later, living in their land, going to their enemy to sharpen their tools for their harvest. Without their tools, they couldn't gather the crops. Without their tools, they couldn't feed their families. Without their tools, they could not prepare for a famine that might come. But here we see something so special. You see, the Philistines, as I alluded to earlier, knew that every swing would cost them. But here we see that God steps in one more time like only he can. You see, there is a phenomenal thing that happens when we say whatever is in my hands is God's. And I'm not just talking about giving, I'm talking about whatever we've got, our our talents, whatever it is that God has blessed us with. Some of us can pray the doors off a building. Just pray. If that's what God has chosen to bless you with, if you're an intercessor and you can intercede for hours, you you just give it to God. But see, here's where God gets real. In the very next chapter, we see something so incredible. Jonathan, the only spiritual person in Saul's household at this time, is here and he looks at his armor bearer and he says, we're going to battle. And he says, we're going to go over there and see what these Philistines are made of. And the Bible told us that the only people that had weapons were Saul and Jonathan. So at best, his armor bearer had a weapon that Jonathan didn't want to use. At worst, he had nothing. He had a pitchfork. Now, I'm just picturing this narrative because if you, you can go through, read it, 1 Samuel 14, that the enemy sees Jonathan and his armor bearer. And again, at best, he might have a sword or a spear that Jonathan didn't want to use. And at worst, he's coming at him with a pitchfork. Now, in my mind, if I'm a Philistine and I see a guy coming at, one guy coming at me with a weapon and one guy coming at me with either a weapon he didn't want to use and a pitchfork, I'm thinking we've got this battle well in hand. But Jonathan says, if the Lord is with us, we will see victory. If the Lord is with us, what was Jonathan saying? Jonathan was saying, you and I together, we're not gonna do this. No, no, he said, you and I by ourselves, we've got nothing to offer. But when we take what we've got to offer, we place it in the hands of God Almighty. We place it in the hands of the one who created the heavens and the earth. We place it in the hands of the one who's parted the Red Seas. Something supernatural can happen. And I've just come to remind somebody tonight, you may be standing there, you may be looking at the enemy just across the ridge, and you say, if the Lord is with us, we're gonna see victory. Victory. And you may not know how it's going to happen. You may not know when it's going to happen. But you and your family are standing there and you're saying, you know what? Just on the other side of that is the victory that I've been promised. Just on the other side of that is what I've been praying for. And if the Lord is with us, we're going to see victory. But I've come to tell somebody tonight that the Lord is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the weapons that we use, we don't have to worry about what the enemy he says we don't have to worry about what it may look like but we can stand there and say if the Lord is with us see the enemy tries to sow seed of doubt and this is what happens Jonathan makes this statement and they even say to him 
they, they, you could see that they get excited and they begin to go and all of a sudden Jonathan and his men go and they kill them. And there's about 28 men, about a half acre of land is what the Bible states. Two men took 28 men out. Why? Not because they were anything, but because they had God on their side. The enemy will try to weave his way into our lives and try to work and try to manipulate our feelings and our faith and try to manipulate what God is really trying to do. You see, the weapons of harvest oftentimes just look a whole lot like being faithful when it doesn't make sense. There is a great weapon, and that's faithfulness. One of the greatest weapons that we have in our walk and our relationship with God is just being faithful. Saying, God, I may not see it today, but I'm just gonna do it, God. I'm just gonna keep praying. I'm just gonna keep fasting, God. I'm gonna keep sacrificing. One of the greatest weapons that you can have as a child of God is just remain faithful. You see, when you remain faithful, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you or to you, but you say, I'm faithful to the things of God. When you remain faithful, you say, you know what? I'm gonna stand in agreeance. I'm gonna stand in submission and I'm gonna say no matter what may come my way, if the pastor preaches it, I want it. If the pastor's talking about vision, I want to enact it. I want to be able to act on it. And you say, you know what? Whatever the church is doing, I want to be a part of. The, one of the greatest weapons as a child of God is just being faithful to the things of God. You see, being faithful to the things of God helps you get through the valleys. Being faithful says, you know what, I may not understand it, and there may be darkness, there may be times of trouble, but when I'm faithful to the things of God, I can stand there with assurance and know that God is able. So the first thing is faithfulness. The first one of the first and most important weapons that we have in a time of harvest is our faithfulness. The next thing is this, is our ability to trust God. You see, Jonathan, his dad, the earlier in chapter first, first Samuel, chapter number 13, had gotten, got, been talked to pretty harshly by Samuel the prophet. And he tells him that you are not recognized as king anymore. Jonathan could have gotten offended. He could have been upset. But what he does is he says, I'm still placing my trust in God even though that this judgment has now come to my house. When we place our trust in God, coupled with our faithfulness, something supernatural can happen. And there are some of us that the enemy has tried to disrupt our trust in God. Hmm. The enemy has tried to disrupt our faith and our trust that God can do the supernatural. I have seen this and I have witnessed this firsthand and I will, there was one time I had a friend who was having some back pain and it was right after Sister Espinoza was healed of her back pain right over here and Pastor Justin, I believe you said you prayed three times for it. Three times. And I was, it was weeks after that, I was with a friend and. He had some back pain and we were around him and I said, man, I said, let's just pray that God would heal it just like that. And we began to pray. And afterwards he said, man, I feel about 75% better. And God spoke to me and I just knew we had to pray again. 
But all of a sudden, out of the corner, one of the friends who wasn't so filled with faith says, well, why would God need more than one prayer to heal somebody? I got to tell you, um, it took everything in my body to not want to just say something very unkind to them. I was like, well, what's wrong with you? What? God brought them from zero to 75% in one prayer. Why can't we go from 75 to 100% in the next prayer? And that person looked at me and they laughed. And I said, man, I said, this isn't a laughing matter. I said, God wants to heal you. But that seed of doubt that the enemy just puts that if God wanted to do it, he would have done it the first time. And the enemy places that doubt that if God was gonna heal you or if God was gonna deliver your children, he would have done it on the 100th prayer, on the 200th prayer, on the 300th prayer. Why are you still praying that prayer? And if we're not careful, we'll keep walking back down to the enemy's camp, asking him to sharpen our prayer, asking him. And we're, we're walking down there and we're saying, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we'll look and say, why am I down here when God is the provider? Because what happens is maybe it is another prayer that needs to happen, Pastor Justin. Maybe it is another time that we need to lay hands on the sick. I don't know why God heals people on the first time and some people on the third. I don't understand it. But all I know, my Bible says to pray the prayer of faith and to watch God do the impossible. So I'm just gonna keep praying it. I'm just gonna keep believing it. And when God wants to do it, he'll do it. But I'm not going to let my trust in God ever wane because I don't see the answer on the first time. I don't see the answer on the second time. I don't, might not even see it on the third or the hundredth time, but I'm still going to trust in God that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ever ask or think, and I'll keep praying. And if we're not careful, little moments of doubt just like that can sink a miracle. The miracle was that God went from zero to 75% just like that but we lose sight of it because the lack of faith. And so our trust in God, our faithfulness and our trust are weapons that we must have in the time of harvest. You see, we realize that in this next chapter as Jonathan went and said, if the Lord is with us, it will be so. We see, in this, we see throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New that there are many stories that are brought to light where, Jesus, where God in the Old Testament does the supernatural. And I'm reminded of Jehoshaphat and Jehaziel stands up and says, let's pray, let's fast, let's take it to God. And the next day they go out to battle and the battle is won without them ever lifting up a sword or a spear. And God does incredible things. Throughout the Old Testament, we see time and time again, we can look at the children of Israel walking around the walls and they fall and no, nothing, no battle had to be won. God did it for them. But there are some times that we have to get down on our knees and find a place of prayer and say, God, whatever it is, whatever you've placed in my hand, I'm partnering with you. Whatever you've given me, God, it's yours. You see, the weapons that we have, the things that we, that we bring to the kingdom of God and what God gives us and the blessings and the callings and all of those things, they're to be protected. When we, when we have moments and encounters with God, those are to be protected because the bottom line is that there's going to come a day where you lean on that experience, where you go back to that moment and say, God, the weapons 
of harvest were in the altar where you touched me and where you restored my faith. God, when I was faithful in the good and in the bad, in the bad doctor's report and the good doctor's report, God, when I was faithful in those moments, God, I'm leaning on those right now for you to help me through right now and to bring victory. And we see that God does so many things and meets us in so many ways. But I just feel to encourage somebody tonight that you may be feeling like after all these years that you've seen too many unanswered prayers and that the, the prayer blade that you've been trying to swing may be seeming dull. But I just want to encourage you to keep swinging. That some of you that have been built your life on faith and seen God do incredible things, but you've been praying a specific prayer for a while now and you've not seen it. But I just want to tell you to keep on having faith and keep believing. Your faith could be the one prayer. It could be one swing away from a harvest and revival in your family. It could be one swing away from God bringing your lost children back to the kingdom of God and helping them find an altar of repentance. You see, the trust that we have in God, it may seem soft at times and dull, but I'm telling you tonight that if you just place it back into Jesus' hands tonight, you can stand with assurance knowing that he's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. We've all heard stories and testimonies of times where people prayed one more prayer and it was the thing that saved or it helped bring somebody to salvation or it helped bring a healing to somebody. We all heard stories like that. Last year I had the opportunity to preach it at a church in Missouri and while I was there, God did great things in the congregation and he just moved and God, God did incredible things. And while I was there, one of the services I was there, I was a part of. And after service, somebody walked up to me and they said, could you just pray for my uncle? And ran down the scenario. And listen, um, if there are ever situations, somebody that believes God can do, and you believe with implicit faith that God is going to do it, this is probably not the one that you want to say, yeah, I'm going to pray for and God's going to do if we're just being honest for a second. But this faith, uh, this, thing, this faith thing is a funny thing because in the moment you're just like, yeah, God's going to do it. And you hear all these things and you're like, why'd you tell me that? They told me, here's the, here's the scenario. Their uncle has three tumors on their brain. When they operate, they're getting ready to operate. And after the operation, he is going to come out. Not, he's going to have to learn how to do life all over again. Not going to be able to speak. Not going to be able to walk. And they're going to have to teach him all these things all over again. And there wasn't much hope, really any. And when you're thinking in those situations and you're hearing this situation, in your mind, all I could think about as I was standing there and as they asked me to pray, I said, in my mind, all I said was, God, I said, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I just know you're just gonna do this, God. What was, what was happening? This person who had prayed prayers time and time again said, all I'm doing is partnering with God and we're just gonna trust and see what God can do. 
I can tell you this much. This person told me they'd been praying for months and nothing had been happening. And they said, I, I don't know what other prayer to, prayer to pray, but I'm just gonna ask and we're just gonna trust that God's gonna do it together. And I said, you know what? I said, you're putting your trust in the right hands. God's gonna do supernatural and mighty things, but we just gotta partner together with God and God's gonna do it. So here's what happened. I hadn't heard anything. So I texted the pastor as a follow-up. I said, hey, what, what happened? He said, we won't know anything for a while. And anytime you hear that, you're like, that's kind of like a kind of code for uh, nothing really worked out well. So when I heard that, I was kind of like, all right. I thought I had, I thought I was there. I was like, man, God's gonna do it. It's gonna be awesome. And like, if you're not careful in those moments, the enemy can come in real quick real quick and say, see, if God was going to do it, he would have done it already. So men's conference comes and I'm sitting right over where brother Travis is. And this pastor walks into me and I like go to shake his hand and he goes, come here, I got to tell you something. I'm like, all right. He says, you remember that man that we prayed for? I said, I sure do. He said, when they went in to do the surgery, two of the tumors were completely gone. They said the last tumor that they found was absolutely benign and they had to do no surgery. He's living, he's walking, he's talking to this day. What am I saying? I'm saying that when we put our trust, our weapons in the hand of a God who can do the impossible, we don't have to worry about what the enemy may look like standing directly across from us, but we can say, you know what? I'm putting my faithfulness, I'm putting my trust, I'm putting all I've got into the hands of an almighty God and he will do the supernatural natural. Our weapons of our harvest are standing on every promise. They're standing on the trust. They're standing on our faith and saying, God, if you did it before, you can do it again. As we stand tonight and as the musicians come, you may be wondering and you may be saying, I, I just need, I just... The doctor's report isn't good. The, the, the family situation isn't good. My dynamics are not good right now. But I've come to tell somebody tonight that if you can look back over your faithfulness and you can just place your trust in the master's hands one more time, that there is something supernatural that can happen. You see, the weapons that we have, we've got our prayer, we've got our fasting, we've got our Bible reading. And we've got to have those. But sometimes it just requires us standing when we've done all that we can do to stand. I was listening the other day on our church podcast to a message that was uploaded from Bishop Gleason. I believe it was 2005 and he said, sometimes we feel like all we want to do is just stand. And he preached, he was preaching about Calvary preached about the red spot. He said, we've just got to stand. And he said, I'm not going to stand physically on the Bible, but he said, I'm going to stand on the promises of God. And I've got to tell you, if the promises of God were good enough for the generations before me, they're good enough for me today. There are some of you that have been walking with God longer than I've been alive. And I want to tell you that all the promises that God gave you, I want to live and I want to walk in those promises too. Some of us have been praying prayers for years and we've been saying, God, I don't know how you're gonna do it. But if we could just place our faithfulness and our trust back in God and we say, you know what? I'm looking over at the enemy's camp and if God is with us, there's gonna be victory. And there are some of us that are just saying, God, 
I don't know how I'm gonna swing this shovel one more time. And I just want to encourage you tonight to just swing one more time. The enemy has convinced some of us that it's gonna cost us everything and it very well might because this walking with God, it's, it's gonna cost you something. It's a life worth living, but it's gonna cost you something because your time, your treasure, and your talent is gonna be wrapped up in the kingdom of God and not in the things of the world. It's gonna cost you something. But when you say, God, I've placed my faithfulness in you, I know that you've done it before and I'm placing my trust in you, God. I know that you're gonna do it again even though I may not see it. The weapons of our harvest then all of a sudden turn into an offensive battle where we can begin to take it to the enemy and say, you know what, I don't have to take this anymore. My house is gonna be a home of peace. The place that I work is gonna be a place of peace. The place and the things that I do are gonna be God-centered and God-ordained. And I can tell you this much, that I'm gonna start to have godly conversations everywhere I go. I'm gonna start to pray prayers on location. I'm gonna start to do things for the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna start to take whatever is in my hand and say, God, whatever is in my hand, it's yours. Because when we place it in God's hand, something begins to happen. As this altar opens tonight, I wonder if anybody is just saying, God, I, I just want to feel your faithfulness and your trust all over again because I know that I may not have a bunch in my hand right now, God. And quite frankly, the enemy has beat me up pretty good, oh Lord. And I don't know how things are gonna work, God, but I just, I know, God, that you want to do great and mighty things. <laughs> See, there are some of us that are here. And you've prayed and you've fasted and you haven't seen an answer. And I just want to encourage you in the simplest terms that I know how right now, that if you just put your trust in your faith, your trust in God and say, God, that you've been faithful before, you'll be faithful again. God will meet us here tonight. If we could, let's lift our hands all across this room right now. I just, I just feel... Let's lift our voices right now. Let's just lift our voices. God, right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. God, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. 
We trust your will, God. We trust your will. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details. Thank you.